0: Welcome Spacers, this week we have Annette Priest, a UX consultant based out of Austin, Texas. She recently spoke at the UX Rebels Summit about UX tools and gadgets, and I'm a sucker for tools and gadgets, so I asked her if she would uh, come on to the show uh, with very short notice and talk about a bit about the tools, why you would need them, and, and so on and so forth. So, um, I'm always trying to learn about UX and how I could, uh, I guess the discipline of UX and, um, uh, and how to apply it to my projects. Cause I feel like I've kind of grown up with the web and, and it's really hard for me as a generalist to, uh, realize what's happening in uh, specialized, uh, fields. And because I feel like I know enough to be dangerous if you, and I hate that phrase, but I feel like I know enough about UX, but I don't really know what someone would do as a full-time UX specialist, even though I know they're invaluable to projects. So um, so I, just, I, I liked it. This one just helped me get more understanding what a UX professional does. So uh, even though it's just one uh, snapshot of, of what is entailed in, in gathering data and research. Uh, some notes, uh, thanks to everyone who supported my Kickstarter project. I am very happy to say that it has been funded So I'll be working on a Responsible Design retrofitting book and online course, as well as some uh, cool projects that help support uh, that that as well. So really uh, thankful for all the the backers there. Uh, I'll also be hosting a virtual conference in December 10th about Perch CMS. And Perch CMS is the lightweight PHP content management system. So you can check out more details at perchcmssummit.com. And if you haven't, please be sure to sign up uh, for Non-Breaking Space on iTunes. Uh, Just do a search for Non-Breaking Space Show in your uh, iTunes store and subscribe to get the latest show, as always. Uh, If you wouldn't mind, uh, just write a review. Let us know what you think of the show. It really helps us get the word out and uh, gets us more motivated to do more shows. That's it for now. Uh, Enjoy the interview and see you next time. So you, we had, we have just done this week uh, the UX Rebel Summit. It's an online conference, right. and one of your presentations, are like no, you only did one, so I don't want to do it in the plural. Of uh, uh, the presentation you did was a uh, UX tools and gadgets. Is that right?
1: right. Yeah, right. And
0: so I I, I totally enjoy that one because it was an online conference, which you've you know at E4H we just do a whole bunch of online conferences. But you had your uh, like over i what what's the name of the camera set up yet?
1: Uh, it is an iPivo. I Ziggy. It's like an overhead projector, but with a camera. Okay. It, it's adjustable and super awesome. Yeah. Uh, so it basically works like an old school overhead projector right. that you um might remember from mm-hmm. from school.
0: Yeah it's for millennials they used I uh, just some millennials it used to work with uh mirrors and incandescent light bulbs, that's what, uh, <laughs> so I'm an old man, old man. But uh, yeah, so it was really cool. It was, it was like, usually we have a camera uh, on the speaker, which we did this time, uh, you were speaking with the camera on you. And then also we just usually have like slide, a slide deck or whatever, but in place of the slide deck, we had this over overhead camera looking down and for UX tools and gadgets, it wasn't just uh software. It was, uh, it was actually like hardware, right? And uh and so you actually went through like uh tools and gadgets that you would, one would need uh for if I the phrase was uh, UX Safari. Yeah. Uh, that's the phrase you used. And I was like, oh wow, that's pretty cool. Um, so my question is so what is a UX Safari and when and why would I go on one?
1: Oh, oh that's a that's a uh one of my favorite things to talk about, I think. So yeah. um, you know, there's this principle in in um, lean methodology that is basically talking about getting out of the building right um ux safari absolutely applies to that and more uh Mm -hmm. and so basically you should be validating the assumptions that you're making about your design decisions for your product design uh, whether that's software or a mobile app or um, something for enterprise or a kiosk anything that you can design you should be not designing that in a vacuum. You need to be going out and studying people and seeing how they behave with different things and, and how they, how they are using different things. And so uh, UX Safari, um, I think the the first time I started using that was uh, more descriptive of ethnographic research, which is uh, a special kind of field work where you, it, that really is a little bit more of a direct correlation with like Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, where you're out watching lions on the plane or something.
0: Uh, right. Or like interacting with tribes and right. different different cultures. Right.
1: right. So um, ethnographic researcher you're, you're kind of immersed in that, um, and you might want to be a little bit more incognito, um, but... This also works for usability testing and everything else. So I think a UX safari is really getting out of your own environment and getting some exposure to users in whatever form makes sense for the goals of your project. And that could be uh, locally, you know, around the corner, or it could be across different countries around the world.
0: Right. And so, like, what things would I test? Would I just test for like I uh, mentioned, like A/B testing of a button design? to just testing like the flow, like the ability for a user to go through an app and sign up.
1: Yeah, I think that the most important thing is to figure out what questions you actually have, Mm -hmm. what information do you need to have. So uh, when we think of um, UX tools for research, you know, if the only tool that's in your toolbox is a hammer, Mm -hmm. then everything looks like a nail. So you need to make sure that you've got different tools and methodologies in your toolbox And you need to understand what questions each tool answers for you. So A-B testing can absolutely be part of that, but you need to be very clear on what A-B testing is telling you. So it can absolutely tell you how many people are clicking on a green button versus an orange button, but it can't tell you why that is. So you need to be thinking more broadly about what the question is and choosing the right tool to answer that. So if the question is, why are people clicking on this green button more than the orange button? You may need to do some observational work where you watch people actually do whatever task that button is relevant to. You know, and so,
0: so, so it's just to go beyond just simple uh, quantitative. It's mostly just to figure out why things are happening the way they are. So that uh, we can then make better design decisions. Exactly. Oh, okay. And then to figure out what tests I need to run, I need to figure out what questions I need to, to ask. It goes back to like, I have these problems and then I need like a UX researcher to make sure I'm framing the right questions to get right. the right content. And right. once I have the right questions, I can then pick the right tool or UX strategy to go answer that. Is that Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can think of it too, like, um, with a medical analogy, like if you, um, go to the doctor and you have a sore throat, they don't take an X-ray of your leg. Mm -hmm. Now an X-ray is a test that's available to them. Um, you know, they're probably going to make you open your mouth and they're going to look in there with a a flashlight and make you say, ah, with a little popsicle stick. But, um, they, they are starting with, um, kind of the the easiest, most irrelevant, most obvious um, types of diagnostics and answering their questions from from there out.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So 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 we want to go to US UX Safari. We wanna find out why people are doing what they're doing. Um, and so I mean the uh, your presentation was mostly about like what tools and gadgets that you'd use. And these are actually right. like hardware, right? This is like not software specific, but just like actually things that you bring out there. And, um, and, uh, but the one thing that you said that was uh, most important was the brain, right? Which was, we kind of covered that in the scope of making sure that you are asking the right questions um, to get the answers that you want, right? So that's, that's kind of like the, where the brain comes into play, right?
1: Absolutely. And I think some of that too is about, um, it's about using your brain Further with the methodology that you've chosen. So you need to read up on how these different, different tools and methodologies work. So you're applying them correctly. Uh, So an interview is sometimes the right thing to do. But if I go into an interview, and I say, um, hey, here's my product, you like this, right? That is not going to get you uh, unbiased feedback. It might make you feel good, <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's not going to be really useful information to you. Right. So you need to learn things like answering non-leading, excuse me, asking non-leading questions, um, how to be neutral uh, and not give a lot away with your body language or your facial expressions. Basically, um, be stoic. I, yeah, I think, I think U S researchers are probably good poker players <laughs> because they need to, <laughs> it's the same kind of skill in terms of just not, not showing any reaction to things.
0: Right. All right. Cool. Yeah. I, so you're telling me to go play poker. That's what it is. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Your school is for poker. So, uh, so one, one thing to uh, mention is like, I thought that was kind of interesting was, um, actually get a really good digital camera and not rely on your smartphone.
1: Yeah, so. that's that's right. I mean it, a smartphone is um is fine as a backup. Um mm. I think it's it's fine um it, it's fine as kind of an emergency <laughs> kind of stopgap, but you need to really be clear about what the limitations of your smartphone's camera mm. are. And um There are different sensors that are are put into standalone digital cameras um, for image stabilization, um, for low light conditions. Just a a regular standalone digital camera is gonna take a better picture. Uh, And it also is going to have optical zoom versus digital zoom. And Mm -hmm. the way that your camera works with digital zoom, which is on your phone, um, it's taking a picture, and then just the computer is magnifying one small portion of that picture. And so, as you need to blow that image up for whatever purposes you you need in terms of conveying that information back to your team in the office, you're going to be losing fidelity with that. So uh, you're you're going to be better off making that investment in. It's still a consumer level tool. I'm not saying like go out there and buy. Um, a professional photographer's camera. You don't need to blow a thousand dollars, but you know it's it's worth a three hundred dollar investment to get a good camera. And you don't have to upgrade it constantly either. Right. You know, once you have a decent camera, it's with you.
0: Right. And I figured it would also be better just to have a separate camera in case you need to make phone calls or something like that. Like it's not your work is not like yeah, personal right. life or like other yeah.
1: things you have to do. It's yeah. so disruptive. You might be getting some kind of messages coming through, you know, if you're trying to use your smartphone. Yeah. Um, the other thing is storage and just the capacity. So if you have a standalone digital camera, you might be out and you might be taking photographs all day long. Um, your camera is also capable of taking some video in a pinch that way. And you can change out a tiny little SD card, um, and then you're you're starting from scratch all over again. Your smartphone is going to have a, a limited capacity to how many photos and how much video you can have on there. And you don't want to be limited by that and find out you're out of space when you're just about to take a shot that's really important. All
0: right. So this is probably a basic question. I should probably ask this like two minutes ago. Why would I need a camera if I'm out in this fire? Just, you know, just a, what would I be taking photos of exactly?
1: Uh, Well, you probably want to be taking photos. So if you're working in an enterprise, you might be getting out of your building and getting into somebody else's building, right? So you want to understand the context that your products are being used in. um, And that can mean a lot of different things. So is it an urban environment? Maybe that's out on the street as part of your safari. If it's an enterprise thing and you're visiting other people, your customer's workplace, uh, you would love to see their desk probably, Uh, and what their office is like. Are they in a big uh, bullpen? Is it a cube farm? Do they have private offices? Uh, Is it open plan workspace? Are people wearing headphones? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just all kinds of details that you can, I mean, you can write them down, sure, but it's going to take you a lot longer to capture all of that detail versus the detail that you're aware of kind of ambiently that you can capture very quickly with just a couple of snapshots
0: right yeah so yeah so definitely it's almost like definitely taking a a film crew with you and documenting this you know other tribes out there but just seeing how your web product or physical product is actually used in the wild so that's why you want to take it you know a picture is a thousand words so so yeah now I understand why you would want to bring a camera with you And, and
1: you might want to bring a dedicated team member just to take those photographs and maybe somebody would direct them a little bit in terms of what's important to capture. But just having that assigned to one particular person can be a big help too, in terms of letting you focus on other aspects that you need to be uh, worried about while you're out on safari. Okay. All
0: right. So I have this camera. And then like, one of the things I liked about your presentation was that, you know, we didn't have slides, but you had a camera overhead because like you actually brought out, you put your camera into uh and other tools into a, a uh, plastic see through uh container bin.
1: Right, right. right.
0: Is, is that behind you right there? Is that keeping it yeah.
1: yeah, it's still behind me. I haven't gotten yeah. a chance to yeah, to
0: definitely.
1: pack that away yet. But yeah.
0: um so, yeah. So yeah, so it's just uh, like a I don't know, like is it twelve nine foot tall by twelve foot storage bin? Is that
1: oh, that's a really big bin.
0: that's a big I, bin? I, I think Not twelve mean, foot I'm I think like 12 mean inches. inches, yeah. <laughs> inches, yeah. Well,
1: I'm six or seven, so... That's true. You do operate on a different scale than the rest yeah. of us. Yeah, um, that's just a... It's a little stirlight plastic bin. It has two compartments, and you can open each individually, so you can just kind of ditch the bottom uh, mm. or ditch the top. And, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's super handy. It's clear, so you can find exactly what you're looking for very easily. Right. Um, it's not anything that you would want to... Uh, take on the road in terms of a, a bigger trip that you're gonna have to take a plane for or anything mm-hmm. like that, but uh, it's something you can easily pop into the trunk of your car and walk short distances with
0: right yeah so it's definitely something that you want to like you know put the container put a camera in and then pull your the tools in just so you yeah. don't have everything like loose goosey in a, in a backpack yeah like that,
1: so. yeah and uh, I've got different I've got different uh, containers for different. Different types of needs. So I have like a, a small wheeled, um, I don't know if people would call it a train case or something, but it's like it's like a little rolling suitcase, but it's about half of the normal size, right? So it's more like a briefcase size thing. It's expandable, but it's hard side. And um, when I'm doing research that's in other states or other countries, that's the type of thing that that uh, that gear winds up getting packed into instead. Right.
0: Yeah, and then so what else will we put into like uh, one of these? Like, um, you know, the first person to, to mention this, but like the first person to like really dive deep into like what it could do for because I, I don't own one of these, but for, I've seen a lot of people use it. Uh, Livescribe Echo Pen, is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So this is probably um, the the biggest recent, I mean, I would say recent, like probably within the past five years that I started using it. Um, but I find it so handy. So of course, ethically, you should let anybody know when you're recording a conversation with them. But, uh, you know, your your participants for interviews uh, should be made aware that you are recording them. But it's a lot less obtrusive to just be using a pen that is capturing that sound than to have a a microphone that you're shoving into somebody's face um, that is a a bit more uh, obtrusive they're aware of it constantly it's easier to kind of forget and that forgetting enables a relaxation and that relaxation enables a little bit more forthrightness Mm -hmm. from the people that you're talking to so it's a a really handy thing but uh, aside from what it gets you in terms of more open conversation with your participants, it enables quicker, easier analysis because as you're handwriting the notes, uh, it works with special paper and the the audio that was being captured at the time the pen was moving on the paper is easily indexed. So when you are done and come back to it later, you tap with the pen on that particular word and audio playback starts from exactly when that word was written
0: oh nice All right, cool yeah that's really yeah. powerful yeah that way you don't have to write down every word or phrase that was said it was it's,
1: it frees you up from worrying about like oh that was really important and i also have to look at my watch and write down the time so i can find that quote again you know, instead, it, it lets you just tap on that word and then, you know, maybe you back it up a couple of seconds just to get the start of it. But it's, it saves tons of time for analysis.
0: Right. And so, um, and then, so, yeah, so LifeScribe, Echo, Pen, uh, that comes with uh, a, you have to buy the Spark paper. That's, that's yeah, something you, special. Have,
1: you do have to buy the paper. It comes in different formats. So it's everything from just a little, reporter's, um, jot kind of flipped notebook to, um, something that's more like the size of a moleskin notebook to spiral bound, um, regular, regular letter size paper, uh, which is three hole punched, uh, you can put it in the binder. Um, but they also have little tiny things. They have stickers and post-it notes as well. So there's lots of form factors, but, um, Yeah, the paper is not... I don't find it prohibitively expensive, especially given how useful it is.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, so we have a pen. It's electronic. You have to get special paper that goes in the bin, but then you would also probably say uh, you need a backup power cord for it uh batteries yeah
1: you should always have um you should always have battery backup with you so like a little rechargeable battery that works with a a usb micro usb cord um, is is kind of an essential uh for any kind of field work really but you know if you find that you're planning a study where you're going to be outside all day maybe you're doing um observational work at a public place uh, and you need to see how people are behaving and uh, capture general notes, you you might want to go a step further and not just bring that backup battery, but also bring a solar charger uh, so that, you know, you're not losing a, a, the power on your phone or something else that you are going to need later in the day.
0: Okay. All right. So let's see what else we would, uh, uh, anything else you would you would put into the container?
1: Let's see what did we talk about? We talked about a camera, we talked about the Live Scribe.
0: Um I just yeah, like this yeah this big honking label maker.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean and that's not um that's not something you would necessarily take with you on every trip, but I think mm-hmm. it's nice to have. Um USB hubs are are kind of an important thing and um I've got one here on my desk and I think it's got eight uh, eight different USB cords plugged into it. So, uh, one of the things that you can do with the label maker that's really nice, aside aside from like labeling your hard drives in terms of what's on them or which backup they are for, uh, is you can make a little label for what what device does this USB cord belong to, yeah. and just wrap it around the tail end of it. But um, I also like things like uh, little rubberized smartphone stands which are handy for um you could use them almost as a a tripod um for some kind of recording with like a flip camera or something but Mm -hmm. also to make signs on a disposable whiteboard to help people find you or get to you or there's such a thing
0: as a disposable whiteboard uh
1: yeah i mean disposable is maybe not the right word but uh (laughs) like portable but like letter sized so i've i've got a couple. parents might might have some around the house for the mm-hmm. kids to practice handwriting on. Um, they might call them a, a whiteboard slate or something. Okay. I'm not sure. But um, basically, just a, li- a little cheap whiteboard mm-hmm. uh, can be a really helpful thing. And a clipboard, always a
0: clipboard. Right. Yeah, and so um, there's also, uh, I like Beta Book is a Kickstarter I, was, I sponsored, but it's like a, a book that folds. It's a whiteboard uh-huh. that folds and um so i like that like because then you just fold it up and i can put it in my backpack and i can just have a whiteboard with me and i don't yeah. have to worry about it
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: uh, but uh but yeah uh, but i do want to get like thick so but you wouldn't put a, a whiteboard into your container right like this that's like a little too big
1: um I, well i wouldn't put like a big whiteboard but i okay. would I w- a smaller like letter size piece of paper um okay. or a5 a4 mm-hmm. uh piece of paper
0: okay yeah and then um so get that in there and then also one thing i thought was pretty interesting, i didn't know it existed until you talked you brought it out was the uh flat ethernet cable was that yes it? i didn't know that existed like we have like so many ethernet cords around our uh, office that, uh, that that the regular ethernet c- cable that the the flat is just uh oh, so compact it's like, oh, yeah.
1: so nice um yeah, it, that's such a weird little quirky thing, too, right? But, yeah. um, but, but one of the things I showed was like I had this six foot long um, Ethernet cable, and compared yeah. to the the flat, it basically the six foot one took up the same amount of space yeah. that a hundred and fifty feet of the flat cable takes up.
0: Right. So, yeah. It's like a six crazy. feet is just like this big ball of plastic.
1: Yeah. Or, yeah. And then like
0: a hundred fifty foot ones. That hundred and
1: fifty feet. Yeah. Oh,
0: that was crazy, and then. He, and the, the rationale we have bringing an Ethernet cord is that, you know, um, everyone just loves Wi-Fi. We all, like, you know, kids, adults, you know, all sizes, all ages love Wi-Fi but, Wi-Fi, but, you know, all Wi-Fi is not created equal, you know, right. but uh, we plug it so it'll drop from time to time. I've been in places where Wi-Fi is excellent, but it'll just drop every once in a while. That's and, right. you and you don't need that, you know, when you're trying to test web apps. And so definitely I support... People, um, uh, I carry Ethernet cord with me wherever I go <laughs> trip. because you never know, because you plug it in. you just like, yes, I have a, I'm addicted to the internet. I just I want to make sure it's constantly going and yeah. I don't have to be worried about it. So, but yeah, so definitely I would put uh, so in the container I would put like flat Ethernet cord in there. I I didn't know it just until you, you showed it to me. Yeah. Um, so what else random things can you put in there? Uh, uh, just the, I think the uh, you know being nice. The strangers' uh, oh. collections of uh, Kutchermont. I thought uh, tissues, mints, and hand wipes.
1: Yes, That's yes. The, Although, I mean, to be honest, this is being nice to yourself as a researcher as much as it is, you know, considering somebody else's needs. So, yeah, I mean, the mints go both ways. <laughs> <laughs> The mints go both ways. Cough drops go both ways. Um, tissues, but yeah, I think those those little hand wipes are really great to have. So after you're done crawling under a table to plug in your flat Ethernet cable, you might need a hand wipe.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then just I just want to just round round out the things that you'd go in a the caddy, that like, little like plastic caddy it was uh, a a tri color highlighter, dual tip sharpie for marking things up and then um yeah and then uh i'm not sure exactly how you describe it but you describe, i think it's a weighted pull cord caddy so like you would have all these usb cords plugged
1: that's right quirky makes a little weighted cord cord holder cord caddy and um it's super helpful to keep power cables and other cables from slipping off the edge of a table or a desk and um yeah I and mean, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of cords when when you're doing this kind of work and you're setting things up so that can be a handy thing to have
0: yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's all it's great that we actually put, like have a portable u x lab pretty much is what you're like doing out in the wild sorry yeah. but it's yeah. you still need all these cords you know to so make it make it work and then um you did mention earlier i think uh the clipboard and um what I loved about the clipboard was that uh Uh, You said that uh, it's a nice piece of social engineering. It is.
1: It is totally social engineering. So, um, yeah, I feel like I need your audience to take a little pledge that they're not going to use this for evil. (laughs) But but, um, basically, people will talk to you. If you have a clipboard, it gives you some, some air of... I don't want to say authority but at least professionalism right so it give it's the same reason that if you go out and you are in a public space and you see somebody just standing around um if you watch them they will take out their phone or they will look at their watch and those those are signaling behaviors that say it's okay that I'm here like yeah. I I have a legitimate reason to be I'm just waiting for somebody and and it's okay that I'm here. Um, so a clipboard is the same kind of thing. Like, I, you know, it's okay for you to talk to me because I have a clipboard. So, you know, yeah.
0: So uh, yeah, be I'm careful. Official. Don't
1: open your door to people with clipboards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and then, um, yeah, because I think it's so awesome because, like, like, you, uh, there's been a couple times you go, you go to movies, and then, like, it's a premiere, and then there's someone who's waiting there. That's just like one time, like, uh, people would ask. I, I've seen it it's just... People have a clipboard and then ask me what I thought of the movie, and I was just like, like I I, I told strangers to ask me what I think of the movie. But I have opinions about movies, so I don't really care who listens to me about that. uh, Well,
1: I I mean, it it might be harder for folks in Austin to understand because the city is very friendly as a whole. But um, there are other places where people do not talk to strangers. And okay. it's it's really not okay. But in Austin, you can meet your best friend in line at the grocery store. So,
0: okay.
1: um, yeah, we talk to everybody in this town.
0: Yes, exactly. Cool. Yeah. Is there anything else that would uh, that that we need for tools and gadgets?
1: Oh, I think oh, those are the big ones. I think um, if you're going to do a lot of field work and you've got, I think the other two. The tools that are really handy, obviously you can't fit it in a little toolbox, but uh, a laser printer is super great to have. Um, and the reason is because if you are organized about the research that you're doing, you'll have an interview guide or some kind of structured documentation that's printed out ahead of time. It's a lot faster and a lot more consistent for you to be working off of that than to just try to take notes freehand with no structure. And even if you were gonna do them freehand, um, for you to kind of put the structure in yourself by writing, then then things get convoluted between, you know, w- were you making a heading or is, is this really an observation and all of that kind of stuff. So a printer, and then of course, if you have printed material, um, surveys and things like that as well, you'll wanna have a scanner. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, there are apps uh, that you could use on your phone. Um, The only caveat that I'll mention for that is, um, do you know where that data is going? Uh, If you are working for an enterprise on something that's highly sensitive, you probably want a standalone scanner that you can control where that data is going to, and maybe it's just a little SD card that's part of the scanner that's plugged directly in, then it's not going to the cloud, it's not not going to be vulnerable to um to prying eyes
0: okay right. and like there's so many like awesome portable scanners out there that's right it's pretty easy to put one in a backpack and it doesn't really weigh that much
1: yeah i would say the uh, fujitsu scan snap is probably the the gold standard for that right. as far as the portable scanners
0: right. okay yeah so um any other Gadgets or tools that someone would need for us.
1: Tons. Tons of gadgets and tools. <laughs> tons. So, I could talk about these for days. I've got so my, much equipment.
0: Oh, Awesome. Yeah. So um, I didn't know one piece of software was, um, it's called TechSmith Moray. Moray. That
1: right? That's right. Moret.
0: And yeah. so that, what, what does that do exactly?
1: So, um, oh, Moray has three different, components to it. Um, and they're technically there it's a suite of um a suite of products that work together. So there's Moray Recorder, Moray Observer, and Moray Manager. And Recorder is it's basically a screen capture program uh, on steroids. So It allows you to see what your test participant is doing on a computer. Um, It allows you to have mouse tracking on, so there there could be a trail. It's easier for you to find uh, where their mouse is. Um, And it enables all kinds of other data capture, or as we in the field call it, data logging. Um, So you're able to be very specific uh, which is all tied to timestamps as well. You're able to be very specific about what behaviors are occurring um, and tracking that by participant, which enables you to look in analysis across participants or within participants um, for different trends and themes uh, and where different problems are occurring. Um, yeah. One of the things that I, I love about Moray is that um, Observer of course allows your stakeholders or anybody who is coming to uh, watch your test uh, it will broadcast that live feed, including the audio and video. Um, so you'll have a headshot of the participant in a, in a corner of the screen as they're working on the screen. It broadcasts all of that into uh, a second computer uh, so you can have folks who are not directly in the room still see exactly what's going on. Oh, and the the cool thing, uh, as far as that data capture I was mentioning, that data logging, is they have a feature that works with a uh, Bluetooth adapter and a Wii mote. So if you have a Nintendo Wii mm-hmm. video game, you can use one of those controllers. Or even if you don't, you can buy those controllers individually. They're about forty bucks, uh, and you can specify what. Uh, which buttons or actions on that Wiimote uh, mean what to you for your particular study. And so every time somebody hits a particular button, you might press the trigger, squeeze Mm -hmm. the trigger on your Wiimote, and it's captured exactly what it is you need to know. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah.
0: Or maybe I could get the Nintendo Glove. And get that going.
1: Yeah, I don't know that it works with the glove. That's pretty cool though. <laughs> yeah. Might might be a little intimidating to your participant. <laughs> right, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. That's the cool thing though with the Wiimote is it's like that's something that's just handheld. You could have it, you know, I mean I don't think you need to be secretive about it, but you could be holding it in your lap or under yeah. under a desk or a table or um right. you know and be capturing all of this data that is, you know, really complicated to, to be tracking. Um, and the manager Moray manager allows you to, um, go back through all of those files and create and edit, um, videos and things to show your executives and stakeholders. So it's a right. really powerful tool and yeah. it's a, it's a pro tool, but it's worth the investment.
0: Right. So how much, what, what how much is that for the manager It's about,
1: for- it's about two grand right now, $2,000. Oh, wow. okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it's an investment, but I think it's totally it's worth it to get the stakeholders to see if they're, if they're not going to come down and watch it. Yeah,
1: it enables. So it, it, It's a pro tool, but it enables pro work. Yeah. So if, if your product, if your app, if your software is worth doing this kind of research for, it can be worth making that investment.
0: Right, okay, cool. Uh, is there anything else, any other tool that you would suggest?
1: Moray is really the gold standard, but yeah. um, I think that, you know, again, it's useful for some things and not for other things. So uh, there's a suite of tools from Optimal Workshop that are really just terrific. So Tree Jack and Chalkmark uh, and Optimal Sort um, and Optimal Workshop is a fantastic company. So uh, I would look look into those tools as well to add them to your, your toolkit.
0: Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for for doing this. I do, I really wanted to uh, reach out and just talk to you about UX tools and gadgets because I, I I love the, the talk so much and uh, you know I've been on the web for, for forever it seems and I'm uh, just trying to get a better handle of, of UX and and user experience testing and and goals and with that in terms of making things better on the internet. Thanks on the web so much. Cool.
1: Thanks. Yeah, it's been fun to talk about. And um, I'll be speaking at. Uh, the UXPA conference in Seattle which is in May uh, and that'll be on managing UX and I'm also speaking on managing UX at UX Hong Kong so if you have never been to Hong Kong or if you have you know how awesome it is Uh, if you're looking for a business reason to make a trip UX Hong Kong is it
0: nice and uh, where can people find you if they have any questions about uh, UX tools and gadgets or just want to Follow they, they, up with they,
1: UX. Yeah, they can find me at Revel Insight, and you can check the web for that, or find me on Facebook.
0: All right, awesome, cool. Well, thanks so much,
1: it. Thank you.